Hello everyone, happy Saturday and welcome back to the All Things New podcast where we talk about all things theology, marriage, travel, food, wellness, um, funny things, (laughs) I don't know. And I am your favorite multi-passionate host, Rachel Reed, and today we are talking about controversial worship songs part two and we are talking about Bethel so many of you requested that I do literally any song from them so we're gonna do it all right guys just like I said in the last episode Um, For this series, I will not be talking about the artist or the churches involved in detail, though Bethel might get its own series. We are just talking about one singular song and the lyrics from that song and whether or not they are biblical or theologically correct. And then I will just be coming up with my own conclusion for the song. Now, my last episode, thank you so much to everybody that listened to it. It got more listens than I expected it to. It was very disorganized. I know there was probably some awkward pauses in there because I was recording on my phone while also trying to look at things on my phone, and it was very rushed. But for this episode, I have my laptop with me. I have notes to read off of, so this one should be a lot more organized. So... For today, we are going to be talking about the song Holy Spirit, which was originally written by Brian and Katie Torwalt, which I love them. They do have several fantastic songs that are theologically correct that I think bring a lot of glory to God. Um, But I am on this website called deceptioninthechurch.com and I think they have every single song that Bethel has sung on their site. Maybe, maybe not. Um, And they've given them ratings. (laughs) So um, they give it zero, one, two, three, or four stars. And then an explanation as to why. Um, And I wanted to do a song that was hopefully very well known in the Christian community Um, and this was one of them and I was like "Ooh, if I do that song people are going to be mad and that's why I wanted to do it (laughs) is I you know I I don't mind stepping on some toes Um, this is a song that is sung I want to say probably at least once every probably three months in most churches Um, It's a very popular song. This is a song that you'll see people get on their knees, people will cry, and we're going to kind of get into maybe why you shouldn't. All right, hold fast with me for just a minute. Before I get started on getting into the song, I wanted to share some statistics with you guys. I did a poll on my Insta stories um, about a week ago. And I'm going to share the results with you guys. So, I asked the question, should we care more about the worship songs we sing? 75% of you said yes, 25% said no. 
I asked, does theology matter in worship songs? 82% of you said yes, 18% said no. I asked, should new Christians be mindful of what they listen to? 83% said yes, 17% said no. And then I asked, can more seasoned Christians be more lenient? As in, is it um, appropriate for Christians who've been walking with the Lord longer, is it appropriate for them to kind of you know, relax more when it comes to what they sing, what they're influenced by. 69% of you said no, and 31% said yes. So I thought that one was interesting. So, let's get into it. So, as always, we're kind of going to go um, just batch the lyrics in, group, in groups here and just address them individually. So the first verse says, there's nothing worth more that will ever come close. Nothing can compare your our living hope, your presence. Now, right off the bat, um, when I was a new Christian and I first heard this song and like most people, I was like, man, like that's a good song. Like, yeah, there's nothing worth more than God or his presence. But when you are already a Christian, and especially if you've already been walking with the Lord for a few years, you're able to read these lyrics and be like, yeah, I know what we're singing about. But if you look at songs like this one and a lot of modern worship songs of the day, and you take away the filter of I'm a Christian and like I know what this song is supposed to be about if you look at these songs unfiltered they are what I call empty worship songs because right off from that first verse like there's nothing worth more what worth more than what <laughs> like that will ever come close come close to what nothing compare can compare to what and then it just goes to, you're our living hope, your presence. Who, your who? Whose presence? Who's our living hope? Um, and, and I already know people are going to be like, well, you know, even if an atheist steps into a church and hears the song, they know that since they are in a Christian church that they're singing about Jesus or God. Okay, but as somebody, me, who has personal experience and knowledge about spiritual realm or the spiritual realm and demonic spirits and all that, when you start to be more empty with your speech, it can get very easy to just become kind of um, like lukewarm, um, doing things half-heartedly, um, it can be very easy to open yourself up or open up the space to other spirits if you're not being direct. Because here's the thing, 
I don't believe that Satan has access to your mind um, or your heart. So if you're singing a song like this that's more kind of empty in its speech um, and you're just like, well, I'm th- I, it, in my mind, I'm attributing it to God. Satan doesn't know that. And, you know, if you're not rooted strongly, spiritually, um, a demon can come in and deceive you. So, there's that. Um, Let's move on to, I've tasted and seen of the sweetest of loves, where my heart becomes free, where my shame is undone. Um... The whole concept of I've tasted and seen, it sounds good, but I think they're lyrically, and coming from a writer, I feel like there's a better way for us to describe with words um, the overwhelming wonderfulness of God's love and God's presence than just like I've tasted and seen um you know I just feel like that's so generic and just like feel good when God's love and God's presence is so much more overwhelming than just like I've tasted and seen because Tasting and seeing are very surface level. So, like, I've seen, that's just, like, I see it. Um, I see these flowers in front of me right now, but, like, that's that's it. Like, I haven't picked them apart. I haven't analyzed their structure and different details. I haven't researched what types of flowers they are, if they hold any symbolism, um, in different cultures, I haven't smelled them yet, like, and then tasting, tasting can just be, like, a little bit, like, you dip your finger in the salsa, and you just, you just taste it, but you haven't consumed it, you haven't fully relied on the salsa, does that make sense? Um, yeah, So, and then where my heart becomes free, where my shame is undone. Um, You know, I mean, it's, you know, there is some truth there. Like, God's love is the sweetest of loves. Um, We have ultimate freedom in him. And our shame is undone. Like, we have no more shame, no more guilt. Um, Romans 8, 1. Therefore, there is no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus um but a lot of these worship songs similar to this one always talk about like the heart the heart the heart the heart the heart when the bible talks about our hearts being the number one source of deception in our lives like as christians I would say we probably have to worry more about our heart than we have to worry about Satan because our hearts lead us astray 
more. That's why the world says, follow your heart. (laughs) You know, I think that's so interesting that the Bible says to follow God and that your heart is the most deceptive thing within you. And then the, so the direct opposite of God and God's kingdom is the world, things of the flesh, and they say to follow your heart. So I think it's very interesting that the world has specifically chosen that slogan when the Bible says your heart is deceptive. They could have said anything else like follow your money, follow uh, food, but they say follow your heart, which directly contradicts the Bible and the world directly contradicts God. I have never thought about that before. That just like came to me in this moment by the Holy Spirit, which, (laughs) you know, we're getting into that. What the Holy Spirit actually does, who the Holy Spirit actually is, who he isn't. So then it just says, your presence, Lord. Again, an empty lyric, you know, I've tasted, I'm not actually going to (laughs) sing. You know, I've tasted and seen. Of the sweetest of loves, when my heart becomes free and my shame is undone, your presence, Lord. Like, what? It You know, that doesn't really tie in with what comes before it because what comes before it is saying that our heart becomes free and our shame is undone in the sweetest of loves. So then it just says, your presence, Lord, out of nowhere. Like, what? Your presence, Lord, what? Your presence, Lord, is amazing. Like, something, you know? There's there's a big lack of attribution here. Is that the right word? Like, attributing to God. Like, when we just say, your presence, Lord, we're not attributing anything to him. We're just stating your presence. Your presence what? Like, he is, he is worthy of attribution. Your presence, Lord, is overwhelming. Your presence, Lord, is where I want to be every millisecond of every day. That brings him more honor than glory, and glory than just saying, your presence, Lord. I'm going to take a water break. All right, and we're back. I think I mentioned this in either last episode or another one that I just, I don't like hearing people drink and swallow. So I'm sure other people don't want to hear me drink and swallow. So I'll stop recording to drink some water. Okay, now we go into the chorus, which says, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for, to be overcome by your presence, Lord. Oh, it sounds so great, but is it biblical? (sighs) So I found this really great article by this man named Jeremy Howard. It's literally just jeremyhoward.net. He just has, like, his own little blog thing, his own website. Um, And he literally just says, it's not biblical. But I'm going to go into what he said because he worded it in a really great way. Um, So I'm just going to quote him here for a minute 
It's a little, a little bit long. So he says, in scripture, no person ever prays to the Holy Spirit. Bible readers find many examples of people praying along with imperatives and instructions concerning prayer. However, never is there found any evidence that praying to the Spirit is good and right. Now, I did not go and read the whole entire New Testament just to make sure that there really is never a place where the Holy Spirit is prayed to. But in my 10 years of being a Christian, I've read, um, I think, all of the New Testament by now, just in bits and pieces. And I can't think of a questionable place where you might find people praying to the Spirit. So I'm going to trust this believer's um, knowledge. But if you know of a place of scripture where people are praying to the Spirit, you can reach out to me on my social media um, and send that to me. But the scripture that he references, I think, debunks praying to the Spirit. So let's keep going. So he says... Jesus got specific when he taught on prayer, which he did. He instructed that his disciples pray to the Father and to pray in his name, in Jesus' name. Never did Jesus teach people, teach that people should pray to the Holy Spirit, which that's, that's true. I just got done reading all four of the epistles, um, and in none of them, Jesus mentions praying to the Spirit. Um, also, Jeremy Howard has several really great uh, scripture references in this little piece that I'm reading, and I will address them all after I finish reading what he wrote. So, he says, Good Trinitarian theology may lead someone to respond with a statement like, But the Holy Spirit is God, and we should speak to him because he hears us. Sounds good, right? It is not complete Trinitarian theology. What does the Bible say? So Trinitarian theology, for those of you who don't know, is believing in the Trinity. And Trinitarian theology is the study of the Trinity. So, though it is true that the Holy Spirit is God, he is eternal, he hears us, he is a person, it is also true that he maintains a specific role within the Godhead. That's why we have, it's one of the reasons why we have the Trinity is we have God the Father, Jesus Christ the Son, and then the Holy Spirit. And they all have specific roles. So God the Father is almighty, sovereign, omniscient, omnipresent. Okay, Jesus is God manifest and the savior sacrificed died on the cross and then the holy spirit is what we were given after jesus ascended back into heaven after um being resurrected and revealing himself to those that he wished to reveal himself to and then he ascended so jesus said that the spirit's role is to glorify God. 
In 1 Corinthians 2, Paul explains how the Holy Spirit is the one who teaches believers the word of God, yet he never says that they should pray to him. In 1 Peter 1, verse 21, it says that the Spirit moved men along as they wrote scripture. Yet those scripture writers never instructed that people pray to the Spirit. Instead of speaking to the Spirit, Christians are told to walk in step with him. That's from Galatians chapter 5, verse 25. And to not quench him, which we'll talk about that later, from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 19. Based on that short study, it would be biblically unwarranted for a person leading a congregation to ask the Spirit anything in their behalf. This is to not say that it's sinful to pray to the Spirit. It's just not biblical. Um, And that's a big difference is just because something is not clearly stated in the Bible doesn't outright mean it's sinful. Um, Sins are things that go against God's character or God's original design for man or for life or that are clearly stated as a sin in the Bible. So asking things of the Holy Spirit doesn't necessarily go against God's character and ideal. It's just not it's just not biblical in the sense that it's not stated in the Bible like you should do this or that people did this. So So now let's go into some scripture. Um, I will say, because people might ask, like, so then what's so wrong with it? It's very important that we do our best to obey scripture and do do the things that we read that Jesus did and that his followers did as far as righteous and holy acts go because we have faith and know from the scriptures that those behaviors lead to a better relationship with the Lord, lead to the fruits of the Spirit um, coming forth more, lead to healing, uh, people coming to salvation, etc. When we try to go outside of that and like do some of our own things and be like, well, you know, It doesn't say that Jesus ever did this. He never said to do it. And it doesn't say that other people did it. But it's not really like outright sinful. But it makes me feel good. Or it makes other people feel good. That's when we start to get very um, self-centered, self-focused with our relationship with God. And relying more on how it makes us feel or makes other people feel rather than truly honoring God humbly. So, so Matthew chapter 6 verses 5 through 13 say, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. 
And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts. And we also have forgiven our debtors. Oh, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation and deliver us from the evil one. So this is like an outline. And I studied this with some other women a few years ago. Um, So when we pray, we are supposed to pray to, to God in Jesus's name. Because God is the Almighty, but Jesus is our mediator. So we pray to God, but through Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Um, And when we pray, so our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done, you, I would encourage you to start shaping your prayers based off this outline where the first part of your prayer is praise. And praise and thanks are different. And eventually in this series, I'll talk about what is what is so wrong about labeling songs as praise songs <laughs> so praise is talking about god and who he is and that's it so i praise you god for being omniscient which is all powerful i praise you god for being omnipresent i praise you god for being creator i praise you god for being almighty healer you you are talking about who he is and that's it because even if even if God never did anything for us he's still worthy of praise because of who he is um and then there should be thanksgiving which is talking about God and what he has done i thank you god for new breath this morning i thank you god for protecting me on the road. I thank you, God, for the people you've brought into my life, etc. And then the, the last thing to keep yourself humble is, should be petition. Um, God, I ask that you, whatever. And once you start praying kind of in that outline, you'll find yourself, you'll find that the Holy Spirit transforms you into becoming more and more selfless and humble in your thinking and your just day-to-day routine. So we're going to move on to Matthew chapter 7 verse 11 which says, if you then though you are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? And this is just stating that the Father, God, is the one that gives good gifts, not the Holy Spirit. Um, And this is like divine provision, you know, God allowing you to have a job, a car, a house, stuff like that. Um, Your life all comes from God the Almighty, Yahweh. So John chapter 16, verses 12 through 15 says, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. 
He will only speak what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me, this is Jesus speaking, because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. So the Spirit is the Spirit of truth. So he guides us into all the truth. And so because Jesus is our mediator, God reveals or gives to Jesus what he wants to reveal to each individual person in different seasons of their life. And then that is given to the Spirit. And then the Spirit reveals that to individual people, different seasons of their life. Now this kind of goes, just because I'm going to defend myself here, because I know that what I just said, people could easily twist and be like, oh, so people do interpret the Bible differently. No, the Spirit gives each person clarity about the Bible, and that clarity, that revelation of truth, will be the same across the board. Um, yeah, the spirit is not going to reveal different meanings and truth to different people. So John, and then later on in John chapter 16, verses 22 through 28, we see it says, so with you now is your time of grief but I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. So this is Jesus talking about um, him being crucified and ascending into heaven. And we grieve because he's not here with us. But then he's saying, I'm going to come back and you'll have endless joy. In that day, in the day that Jesus comes back, you will no longer ask me anything. So we ask Jesus for things, God. Very truly, I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. So God provides, but we ask in Jesus' name. Until now, you have not asked anything, asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. Um. Though I have been speaking figuratively, a time is coming when I will no longer use this kind of language, but will tell you plainly about my Father. In that day, you will ask in my name. I am not saying that I will ask the Father on your behalf. No, the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and entered the world. Now I am leaving the world and going back to the Father. So, um, so earlier... Jeremy Howard mentioned 1 Corinthians chapter 2, which you guys should go read the whole chapter. Um, but verses 10 through 16 list out what the Spirit does for us. And what the Spirit does for us is he reveals wisdom and speaks through us. That is it. That is his role. Um, and then Galatians 5.25 is where it says... If you live by the Spirit, you should keep in step with the Spirit, which means being intentional about bearing the fruits of the Spirit. 
trying to sin less, repent of your sin, you know, do things that you know please God. Um, going back to the song. So, um, another thing is the Bible talks about where two or three are gathered, there God is. And we are also promised um, in several places in the New Testament that when you are saved, you are sealed by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes into you, becomes your down payment of inheritance. And so we do not have to summon the Holy Spirit. We just have to put off ourselves, die to ourselves, set aside our fleshly desires, and choose to connect and listen to the Holy Spirit instead of our hearts or our flesh. The Holy Spirit does not have to be summoned every time church starts. Um, I get very turned off when people say like, Holy Spirit, we just welcome you into this place, Lord. We just invite you into this place today. And there's like a pause. Won't you just come fill our hearts today? No. If you are saved, you are already filled with the Holy Spirit. He does not have to be re-summoned every time church starts, every day. You just have to choose to stay humble and engaged with the Holy Spirit. Because once you start doing your own things and engaging in your own desires, that's when you can become, that's when you can distance yourself or become calloused, numb to the Holy Spirit and God's presence. That's another thing is God's presence doesn't have to be, God is not waiting for us to tell him like, you know, God, we want to feel, we want to feel you. Um, uh, let your presence come into this place. God's already here. It's just up to us to choose to believe that. Okay? Um, yeah. And then, your glory, God, is what our hearts long for, to be overcome by your presence, Lord. Um, it can sound good to say, like, your glory, God, is what our hearts long for, but I guarantee you God's like, okay, I have given you freedom to choose salvation. I'm giving you freedom to go out and do glorious acts on my behalf. If your heart is really longing for my glory, then go. Go share the gospel. Go serve. Go and do things that glorify me. Um, and then we have another empty phrase. To be overcome by your presence, Lord. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for. Which really should just be, that's an independent phrase. To be overcome by your presence, Lord. That does not connect with the first one at all. 
um, like you to be overcome by your presence, Lord, is really hinting towards um, like influencing people to believe that they have to experience this like emotional, mental, spiritual, like physical overwhelmment of God's presence. This is a common thing in Bethel's church and in their school is physical manifestation where they start shaking, they're lying on the floor, shaking, crying, they're engaging in what they call holy laughter. That... That does not mean that you are being that you are um, being overcome by the Lord's presence or by the Holy Spirit by violently shaking, falling to the floor. Um, this does not mean that if you go down to your knees during worship that that's demonic or bad, but just know like that. That does not that does not have to happen for you to experience God's glory and God's presence here and now. Now that will happen when we see him face to face, um, because that that's gonna be his fullness, okay? Like there is a difference between what we're experiencing now and experiencing God face to face like we there is a another level of God's presence that we will not experience until we get to heaven if we could experience it all right now then there would be no need for heaven if that makes sense so and then we go into um you know, there's always these like powerful, emotionally triggering bridges in these songs that they repeat 20 times. Let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. Again, this goes back to the your glory, God is what our hearts long for. When you communicate to God, let us become more aware of your presence. He's like, okay, do it. I'm get I. I have already given you the freedom to become more aware of my presence. Um, let us experience the glory of your goodness. He, we do not manipulate God. We do not bend God to our will. Um, <laughs> Matt and I visited a church not too long ago when we were trying to figure out where we wanted to commit and we went to this church and they were definitely in all cult occult um new age church they spoke about manifestation and the pastor said something like um god wants you to pray big and bold prayers god wants you to thank him for things that he has not done yet because 
God reacts to us. We are proactive and God is reactive to us. So he was basically saying like um, that cancer diagnosis, you go ahead and you start thanking God for healing you from cancer and he will do it. And I was like, no, like we, we looked at each other. We're like, Mm-mm, nope, <laughs> because just like these lines are trying to do, let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of goodness. We don't manipulate God. God does not react to us in the sense of like, he's not just sitting there waiting. And then we say, let us experience the glory of your goodness. And he's like, oh, okay. Since because like you asked, I mean, if you ask, he'll allow it to be done. But I feel like a lot of these songs, they're they're heavy on repetition because they are trying to manifest. They're trying to manipulate God who is already here. His glory is already here. He's already given us freedom and power by the Holy Spirit to go out and do glorious works. We don't have to repeat the same thing over and over and over again to try and manipulate him or try to manifest something. So God's presence is already here in its in the fullness that he has destined it to be on earth. Because again, there is a level that we're not going to experience until heaven. So the fullness of his presence that he has destined to be experienced on earth is already here. The glory of his goodness is already here and we already have the freedom to experience it when we go out and walk in obedience and serve and love and share the gospel. He has given us full freedom to experience his fullness here on earth. So I don't, I don't really know what else to say about that. Um, so this website, Deception in the Church, what they say is, um, since, since, um, summoning the Holy Spirit, asking for things by the Holy Spirit is not a biblical activity it gives opportunity to the enemy to come into meetings and deceive, which has been happening all the way back to William Branham. Um, and list out some other people, I guess, that are like famous for William Branham through Paul Kane and John Wimber, Benny Hinn, heard of him, Rodney Howard Brown, John Arnott, Steve Hill and is now being carried on by apostate cultic churches like Bethel. Um, the Holy Spirit is already promised to be present or two or three believers are gathered. So, um, I do believe that, you know, it's, um, people, I've heard some Christians say, like, you know, um, that are against this whole idea of 
you know, it's, as Christians, we can still be open to demons and demonic possession, because they're like, well, I'm saved, I'm like, yeah, you're saved, but the Bible says to keep in step with the Holy Spirit, and to keep yourselves guarded, and to fight the good fight, there's a lot of language in the New Testament that urges us to be proactive in our faith, in our relationship with God, because, um, and again, I have personal experience with these things, as soon as you start to ease up, Satan is going to, he, he's going to take advantage, um, or you're just, your heart's going to deceive you, and you're just going to start um, looking to other, other things, um, because we are creatures of attachment, we are creatures of distraction, wanting to be entertained, creatures of influence, um, we constantly, our human nature is to constantly have things that keep us preoccupied, that are influencing us in some way, making us feel something, benefiting us in some way, and so as soon as we become lazy about our walk with the Lord, we will, just by our human nature, by our flesh, start going to other things. Um, And those other things can lead to demonic possession, um, being deceived by demons. And if you don't believe that, then I encourage you to do more research and prayer about it because it is absolutely possible. So, um, to this day, I still struggle with paranoia from that really dark season of my life. And I, if I am experiencing paranoia in a moment, I don't just sit there and be like, it's fine, it will go away because I have Jesus. I speak Jesus' name out loud. I start praying out loud and I don't ask God to take it away. I just start speaking out loud Jesus, who he is, his power, and rebuking that paranoia or whatever it may be because I know that I am not high and mighty, that I don't have the power on my own to stand against Satan and demons. I can only stand against those dark things with Jesus. And so I just start saying stuff like, you know, I am bound by the blood of Christ. I belong to Jesus. Jesus is all powerful. Jesus is my strength. I already start saying just Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And typically within seconds, my paranoia is gone. I feel safe. I'm fine. So this was a really long episode and I am so sorry. Um, But that is the end of it. My conclusion is I don't think this song is biblical. I think this is a song that should definitely not be sung in a congregation where there could be newer Christians present who might be influenced to believe new age practices or believe a false gospel. Um, I don't think this is a good song to sing like 
if there's atheists in the room because it might stir up confusion. Um, I, I think this song is very borderline manifestation trying to manipulate God and we should just shy away from. Now, if you're a more seasoned Christian, I do believe... I do believe that seasoned Christians should very much be disciplined and stand firm. But I believe if they also are able to have better discernment than somebody newer to the faith. Um, and, and that is a biblical concept. Um, so like me, I can listen to this song and be like, eh, like, you know, not let it fully influence me. Like if it comes on in the car, I can mostly just tune it out and be like "Eh, whatever um but i think this is a song that should not be sung in a congregation and you should not become attached to or believe is gospel so if i were to give it my own like rating which i know like i didn't do this in the last episode but i would say like a three out of ten just Take this song off of your song list if it's on there. And don't hate me. I'm so sorry. Um, So again, thank you so much for listening. If you would like to support me um, monetarily, (laughs) there is that option. Um, My husband and I own and run a small business, literally. Um, So if you choose to support me in that way... um, I believe they have like a dollar a month option that just completely goes to me finishing up school and just supporting our family. Um, You can also just support me by continuing to listen to the podcast, following and engaging with me on social media, and providing just honest feedback. So I hope you guys have an amazing day and I'll see you in the next podcast.